the more effort you put into actually caring and getting to know that TCK, the more open they'll be with you and the more they'll feel comfortable. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Rodowski. I'm Emily Wilson. In today's episode, we are going to explore the life of the third culture kid. According to super authoritative source Wikipedia, a third culture kid is a person who is raised in a culture other than their parents or the culture of their country of nationality. And they live in a different environment for a significant part of the years of their childhood development. You have some exposure to this, Rich. Yes, I do. Got a few at uh, my house. The other night, actually, I was sitting on the foot of the bed of my son, who's now a high school senior, and uh, before he swung his feet into bed, he brushed them off and reminded me um, that's what he's been doing since he was a little kid from the days where we lived in the Kalahari Desert, and that was necessary for bedtime sleeping. And Those habits just become ingrained, and sometimes I find that I need to explain some stuff that my kids won't know because they missed middle school and junior mm-hmm. high years, and that's kind of fun sometimes, too. Right. Well, I had a chance to interview Michaela Federwitz, and she's a TCK who grew up in a missionary home in Ghana, West Africa, and she lived there until she moved to the U.S. and attended high school here, mm-hmm. and she'll be returning to the continent soon uh, to serve as a missionary supporting LBT Canada's missionaries, Reverend Mike and Kara Kuhn, beginning this summer. So it's really exciting. So enjoy these ponderings of the challenges and joys of the LBT TCK life. Today we are sitting down with Michaela Federwitz, who is a missionary kid from Ghana, and we're just so thankful for her to join us and share a little bit of her story. So Michaela, can you introduce yourself to our Essentially Translatable podcast listeners? Yeah, so as Emily said, I am Michaela Federwitz. My parents were missionaries. They've been missionaries for as long as I can remember. And I still think of overseas as more of my home than the States, so. Yeah, that idea of home, that's a little bit nebulous, right? It's a little fuzzy for a missionary kid. Can you share a little bit about how do you identify home? How do you identify being a missionary kid or a third culture kid? A lot of people haven't heard that term. So in your own words, like how would you describe that? Basically, a third culture kid is just someone who lives in a culture that is not their passport culture, or they live in a culture that's not their parents' culture. So I grew up in Ghana, making me making me grow up in a culture that my parents were not from and that my passport did not match. It was it's a cool experience. It's definitely different than what other people experience. <laughs> I guess, with talking about home, for a lot of people, home is like their house, or they've lived there for X number of years, um, and they've made they've got friends there. Uh, that, that that's where they've put down permanent roots. For a TCK, we define home very differently. Home is where the heart is. You have people that you love in all of those places, and sometimes even places that you don't live. And so just like being with those people that you love, that's really home. So I have several homes in <laughs> several places over yeah. 
most of the world. Right. That's beautiful, but also challenging, right? That your home, you've got a home in Ghana. You have a home in Northern Illinois where your family's sending church was. And thinking about this third culture, I've heard some people describe it as that it is that kind of blending, but then also that third culture kids have a culture that is their own, that regardless of where they've come from, what countries they have, you know, put some roots down or like whether it's, you know, that their parents were in the military or their parents were missionaries or government officials, but that there was been moving that they can identify with one another more readily. Did you experience something like that with other third culture kids and how has that impacted you? Um, I did experience that, that third culture with other TCKs. Yeah, we might not have come all from the same background as missionary Mm -hmm. kids, but we all knew that that feeling that we didn't exactly belong where we were, (laughs) no matter where we were. So just like being able to like talk or get together or even like message for the internet, like that's our own culture. Right. Um, other people can't really identify with that. Uh, it's kind of challenging, right? That not necessarily being able to identify with one another. And yet also a lot of the third culture kids that I've met are kind of chameleons that they will try to adapt and kind of reflect what's happening in their particular environment and just this adaptable, flexible sort of calling that they've just identified with. Have you felt that way yourself or has it been a little bit of a different experience? Yeah, you're definitely right about being chameleons. We're not all like that and we're not only like that. Right, right. I think when we feel uncomfortable or when something's new, we tend to try to blend in and be as inconspicuous as possible. (laughs) Low profile. Yes. (laughs) Then I think different people have different ways to approach things. It depends on your personality. Being an introvert, I'd prefer to be the chameleon of sorts. I like to just like pretend that I actually belong (laughs) (laughs) and be like normal, but also, normal is overrated, so mm-hmm. I think as I've gotten more comfortable in a new culture, mm-hmm. um, especially here in the States, like I felt more comfortable making known that I wasn't from here, if that makes sense. So I would talk about Ghana, like how we would do things in Ghana. Sometimes I dress more Ghanaian. <laughs> yeah. I I don't go the full distance with that, but I definitely do let some parts of my other culture shine the more comfortable I am in a a place. That is true, that sometimes it's not the the time to show, right? Like, so a chameleon will adapt and change, but eventually its true colors and what it is will show but it it takes time right it's not always the right environment and similarly a third culture kid 
wants probably to be in an environment where they know that they're able to engage in those kinds of conversations and being able to be transparent of this these were my experiences this is where my heart is so you're on the campus of an international school and lots of third culture kids probably have come through this space so how did you find that transition to life here in the states in that kind of community i i can only guess that it's easier than if I had gone to an all-American high school. But even here, especially in the beginning, I didn't quite feel like I belonged. I didn't I didn't know what was expected of an American, and I definitely look American. <laughs> you were the third culture. <laughs> I, I, I was the third culture. So you shared a lot about your experience here as a third culture kid. What was your experience growing up? in Ghana and adapting and like what was what was normal would you be able to share that kind of glimpse well I I've lived in Ghana since I was eight months old mm-hmm. so and strangely enough those are not my first memories mm-hmm. um, but just the fact that I've lived there the majority of my life like things that would seem strange and abnormal to someone else seem completely normal to me. Mm. So just because of the color of my skin, I was different. Like it was obvious I was different, but it it wasn't a bad different necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just recognized that I didn't know how their lives worked. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. Like they knew that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so they would show me or they'd try to explain things to me so that I I could better understand. Sure. So that was definitely appreciated. And and in so they welcomed you into their community by sharing about who they are as Ghanaians and their community. And if I remember correctly, you were in the Komba language community. Could you share a little bit about the culture of where you grew up? Yeah, so we were there for the first 10 years of my life. And really, I only remember about five years of that. (laughs) But like just growing up, I would have school and after school, I'd go outside and I'd play. I'd run around. It was different for me than the other local girls. They did not run around and play outside in the fields. They they stayed at home. They helped their mom or their aunt or their older sister who was already married. They'd help out with younger siblings sometimes. And there were like seven-year-old girls mm-hmm. running around with two-year-olds <laughs> yeah. on their backs. Like it was... Yeah. There was not a big age difference for babysitters. Sure. Um, So that was how I differed from them. And once I got to a certain age, I was not as appropriate for me to run (laughs) around and chase cows with the boys. That does sound like good fun, though. (laughs) It it, it was fun. And I'm really glad that at about the time when it stopped being okay for me to do that, I discovered a love of reading. Oh, yeah. So I'd end up on the couch after school reading a book instead of going outside and playing. So so you lived and worked 
around and with the cultural expectations in Ghana and now in the U.S. And you've probably been able to find after the fact like that you have adapted in that way, that that chameleon sort of tendency just happens so naturally. Like you said, like, oh, it wasn't until after the fact. (laughs) Like, that was a good transition. But culturally, like how we find... Maybe we're we're in that and we're respecting that, but sometimes it, it can be challenging, right? Like like you said, you are that third culture kid, so being able to find and to explain to the opposite culture of you know you've explained the U.S. to Ghanaian friends and explaining Ghana to your American and other international friends. What has that experience been like as you share what it was like to grow up and explaining the other culture to the other one? You know, that you're the liaison in some ways when you aren't wanting to be. What is that like? Well, I guess living in Ghana, people wanted to know what, what the U.S. was like. But not having grown up here, I wasn't sure how to explain (laughs) it. But it's interesting, though, finding out how different cultures react to something other than them. Mm. So I found that um, Ghanaians were more um, accepting that there were different people out there. Mm. Like, people could be different, Mm. Mm -hmm. and they didn't have to understand it, and that was okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And then being in the U.S., I found that it was kind of the opposite. Um, Not everyone, Mm -hmm. but generally people were like, oh, that's different, and they weren't okay with that. Mm -hmm. So it it was, it's interesting. Right. I feel less inclined to open up to people Mm -hmm. who are just like, oh, yeah, it's it's not really okay that, (laughs) that it was different. And they... They might not come out and say that, but just just like gauging right. by their reactions or their comments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a nice thing about being a TCK is you can, you're more observant <laughs> than you would be otherwise. Sure. There's a lot more signals that you're picking up on. It's not just your cultural signals of yeah. your home culture, but also the the culture that's hosting you, your passport you know, yeah. culture, it's all a lot of things to try to gauge and pick up on. And yeah, thinking about that, what's different? A lot of times, um, you know, trying to explain cultural differences to individuals. Like I use Dwayne Elmer's book, uh, Cross-Cultural Connections and Cross-Cultural Conflict, a lot in my conversations. <laughs> and explaining it's a spectrum of you know we have you know on one side of the spectrum good and another side bad and we start off with those being very narrow on either side of the spectrum and has (laughs) it that it's like we have in our cultural perspective I should say that it's narrow on the spectrum as much as our understanding of what 
good or bad is yeah. like that we we have certain expectations and our our different category not much is different it's it's black or it's white and that there's not a lot of acceptance necessarily for the different in a very neutral way like um thinking about an approach to time right like that's probably something that was very familiar of uh event orientation um and time orientation of the event starts when people show up and it goes till whenever versus it starts and ends at a very certain time some people find it very rude to delay and some people find it very rude to hold an event without giving people the grace and we find as we talk to more and more cultures that that different that it's neutrally different yeah uh it it adapts (laughs) you're giving the yeah yeah that's that's a really familiar thing yeah what was your kind of experience with that of that different category of hey it's just neutral yeah i mean what you said with the time, it's mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, that, it's definitely there. Um, mm-hmm. That's one thing that I, that I do see. Mm-hmm. But especially, like, with my siblings, um, <laughs> I have two brothers here at school with me. And the older one, he'll say, oh, we're going to do this at this time, and I'll be waiting for him <laughs> on American time. <laughs> and then... I'll, and then five minutes later, I'll text him, like, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm just coming. <sighs> and that, that's that's if that's something in Ghana that it's just like, eh, yeah, you know, any time between now and the next time I see you. <laughs> right. It's just like. You know that it'll happen. Yeah. And when it happens, it happens. And you'll love it when you're together and look forward to the next time. But not really sure when that might be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's definitely interesting and mm-hmm. I think my family well not that my fa- whole family is back in the states but even before when it was just mm-hmm. my brother and I we would try to do some things Ghanaian yes like sometimes we would actually plan on wearing Ghanaian clothes <laughs> to school on a certain day yeah. there was one year we did our school photos in <laughs> Ghanaian clothes love it or, like, we'll make Ghanaian food or mm-hmm. plan on doing something together. We'll talk <laughs> the way we used to mm-hmm. um, in Ghana. And that's, I think that's important that mm-hmm. you, you still remember, mm-hmm. uh, even though you're immersed in mm-hmm. something different. Right. Absolutely. And maybe this is a painful subject, but I'm going to approach it and you can totally say no. But there are certain things that, like you said, you hold on to and we we have memorable experiences. Some of the memories are, oh, I could have gone without that one (laughs) or some are um, cherished and just wanting to like, you know, how for me, um, I wasn't a third culture kid, but moving down to Concordia, Missouri, I have least favorite memories of my time living in Chicago and, you know, great, wonderful memories. 
And so wondering if you'd be willing to share some of the things that you miss the most and some things that you miss the least about living internationally. I mean, the, there, there's just so many. I, I like the dust least of all. Could you explain the dust for those of us who have limited knowledge based on that beautiful time of year that yeah. you're describing? So what would normally be um, fall and winter in the U.S. is harmaton season in West Africa. So Ghana is situated between the equator and the Sahara. And during that time of year, there are windstorms from the Sahara that bring this very mm. fine dust <laughs> that gets into everything and there is no escape from it like <laughs> you you can seal something in plastic and still find a very thin layer of dust on the inside wow. like it, it gets through everything the windows it's in your bed it's mm. under your feet mm. um you sweep three times a day and you still get a very massive pile of dust on your floor so i don't like i don't miss that i don't miss that at all um being in the states at the same time though it's kind of bittersweet because Mm. like sometimes when i i would go back to ghana for summer and christmas Mm. um the past few years and getting back to the states in like the middle of winter after Christmas, I'd open my trunk and I just <laughs> smelled dust. And I'm like, oh, mm. well, that that that's home. Yeah. But also at the same time, I'd have dust everywhere. <laughs> so Inconvenient. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's really um, mm. bittersweet. So I dislike it more than I like it, but there's definitely like a memory behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely, that it's like, I remember one time, and this is not quite the same, but driving back up to northern Illinois, I got excited about the light pollution, because I'm (laughs) like, oh, I know exactly where I'm coming up on, and normally, I, I very much dislike light pollution, I love seeing the stars, but there was something about, I know where I am, and Uh, my family is nearby and, you know, just driving on the road and being like, okay, you know, home is just, just a few miles away. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. But that, you know, it's not something that we necessarily like, but we love everything attached to it. Yeah. So the list of things that you miss most, I'm sure, is like a mile long then. Oh, it's it's forever long. I'm not sure I could even, like, Mm. begin to list all of the things. Um, I suppose if I had to pick a few, it's warm. (laughs) It's warm. Being, like, right on the equator, Mm. it's warm all year round. In some, some parts of the year, it's warmer than others mm-hmm. um but i found that i very much just like being cold i i tend to bundle up within an inch of my life <laughs> in the winter <laughs> i do have to say listeners michaela has adapted 
beautifully <laughs> when she first came to, you know, the U.S. and it was her freshman year. I was concerned for you, Michaela, because <laughs> it was about 60 and I saw you wearing something over your ears to bundle up. And I was like, I wonder what it's going to be like when we get down to single digits Fahrenheit. Is she going to be okay? And you have really adapted. <laughs> I, I I was fine. I just there were a couple of days in there. I was like, um, how? Why do people leave their houses in this weather? Oh, I question the same thing. But honestly, like if you went to Ghana, say in like the spring when it's the hottest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd wonder the same thing. Like, why, why do people even leave their houses? So. And just plant in front of a fan and just hope that you can cool down before <laughs> nightfall. Yeah, pretty much. And mm. So. Mm. Those are pretty pretty special things to reminisce on. And I, I love the fact that you have owned the fact that you know i am a third culture kid i'm going to wear my ghanaian outfit (laughs) she's got some beautiful prince guys and you know that you have that special bond with your brother and uh brothers i should say on campus and being you know flexible to like hey we're gonna make some food we're gonna make some ghanaian food and that's It's pretty awesome to be able to embrace that right where you are and to hold that as, you know, a living memory um, and honoring that. And I'm sure, though, too, like you said, that like bittersweet that you're you're happy to do those things. But it's also probably a bit of a melancholy, too. Yeah, because it's like it's not really part of my life at this moment. It's just Mm -hmm. like, no memories like that that's all memories are it's remembering what used to be or like Mm. what did happen and Mm -hmm. you don't have that anymore right so they're valuable in that way like that that was something that you did that was Mm -hmm. it's part of you Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of sad because it's like but it's it's not your life anymore Mm. you have a different life now Mm -hmm. so so have you been able to find that being in a third culture kid community, because you've got friends from all over the world, that you've been able to touch base and kind of process these things together? The summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I did a TCK reentry program. And I met all sorts of kids from all sorts of places. It was it was different than what everyone else they experienced because they were all college aged. Oh, like they okay. they were they were coming back for college sure. or like taking a gap year before mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. So everyone was older than me, but we all like understood. Mm-hmm. And when you're a TCK age, doesn't matter. Right. Like yeah, it's helpful when you're around the same age, so you can kind of be like, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm talking on the same intellectual right. level. <laughs> but age really doesn't matter. And so it was good to connect with them, mm-hmm. to swap stories and be like, oh, yeah, something like that also happened to me. But it was different because it was mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. part, not mm-hmm. yours. Mm-hmm. So we had that independence like that 
individuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, we all understood what each other was talking about. Like we're right. like, oh yeah, that that Americans don't make sense in this way <laughs> or that way, yeah. or a different culture doesn't make sense in this way. Or so it was. It was good to mm-hmm. be able to um, share stories and be able to sympathize with each other and be like, yeah, we really don't understand this. <laughs> You're all feeling the same thing in the, you know, I heard it recently described of we're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, though. Yeah. And being able to sympathize in that way that maybe, you know, your boat that you are carrying all of the experiences of your time in Ghana but you're in the same storm of trying to navigate what is this going to look like living and studying in the U.S. after growing up abroad that you you were unfamiliar with American culture and you can relate to the person who grew up in Eastern Africa or Europe or Asia. Yeah, yeah and I like your storm analogy because <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it's true, like we're all just as confused and yeah, we're we're going through the same thing, but we see different waves, mm. and the mm-hmm. and different waves hit us mm. from different angles, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's different, and that difference is what makes us the same. Mm. So <laughs> it, it's it, it's unique, yeah. and once you find that group of uh, TCK friends, it's like mm. th- these are your people. They'll not they'll understand like your whole life mm-hmm. because yeah it might get easier in some ways but it never always goes away right so. right so one of the things that i'm sure has been the wow, americans make no sense <laughs> uh, and we're wanting to kind of share because sometimes it's you know what is it that is the cure for those kinds of things is building up an awareness and um trying to uh, share uh, from the insider perspective of, well, how do we combat that and how do we uh, grow together? And so maybe some of our Northern American (laughs) audience might say like, oh my goodness, I may have asked a question uh, of a third culture kid that maybe was less than helpful. (laughs) I'm wondering if you could shed some light on what kinds of questions you've gotten over the years that you just maybe dread to hear and how we, (laughs) speaking from a monocultural person thus far, how we might be able to grow and better support third culture kids. Yeah, I think one question that I hear the most (laughs) and that I always struggle to answer is where are you from Mm. and it's like there are so many answers to that Mm -hmm. and if you if like the questioner could just like narrow it down like where were you born see I can answer that (laughs) or where did you like, where did you spend your childhood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't answer that, too. Mm-hmm. But where you're from is mm-hmm. so broad mm-hmm. for a TCK that it's it's stressful to answer. <laughs> like, and well, we could just stand there sure. for, like, 15 minutes telling you our whole life story. 
to get to try to get to the bottom of where we're from Mm -hmm. because chances are we don't even know (laughs) like we we haven't gotten to that point where we know where we're from right it's just where we've lived all right yeah that's that is an awesome pointer right there because that's something that we just tend to say oh where are you from and we don't think anything of it but how complicated that is for a third culture kid to process of wait a second you know it's are they asking where my parents are from is is that what they want to know do they want to know like what citizenship i hold (laughs) or are they asking about like i mean for you in Ghana, you lived in a very small village at one point, and then yeah. in a you know mid-sized city, right? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, which of those am I from? You know, what do right. I identify with more closely there? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my advice there is just like narrow down the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the more specific it is, the easier it is for us to answer. Right. Right. What kinds of questions do you love for people to ask? Oh, I'm like not sure that I necessarily have a favorite question or multiple favorite questions. Um, but just like if you're willing to actually put in the effort to ask something that actually means something mm. and listen mm. and care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're, as TCKs, we're not big into small talk. Right. Like, if if you ask a question, you might as well be prepared for a life story. Because somehow it's all connected. Sure. So the more, the more effort you put into actually caring and getting to know that TCK, uh, the more open they'll be with you. Mm. And the more they'll feel comfortable. Because that, that's one thing with TCKs is we fake comfort. <laughs> like a lot. Like, we'll, 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 we'll pretend that that we're on the same level with you. That we'll, chameleon. We'll, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll pretend. Um, and that, that's not always healthy. Mm. Or rather, it's never healthy. <laughs> um, that fake it till you make it is... The painful sort of it, thing it really is and it's yeah it's it's not great mm. um but yeah just the sincerity of mm-hmm. any question mm-hmm. it yeah i'm not sure that it's any one specific question it's the attitude behind right. it that really counts right and i just remember when first getting to know you of um sitting together and I don't know that we were really talking about anything so in-depth but you know almost four years ago three and a half years ago of just sitting together over coffee checking in you know and wanting to share that love for you (laughs) and and this hard time of like you know transitioning to you know new culture new space and how that was a real challenge but also um how you embraced it and i think that that's one of the wonderful things too about um third culture kids and what we can learn uh from that 
third culture kid <laughs> mentality is the the gift of relationships of taking that time uh and investing in that in one another and, and yeah. sitting down and to build on that that it's not just overnight like that you're, right, maybe you're yeah. able to connect like that overnight with fellow tck's but you already know right, yeah. each other's culture uh, but being able to say you know They've got a lot of experiences that I don't have, you know, a TCK versus a monocultural person. Yeah. Well, what does that look like for me to uh, be there to, to bridge that gap and to support? Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that those first two years of high school when I would come in and I'd <laughs> visit with you before school every morning, I think that really helped. I, I did not realize it at the time once again. <laughs> Once again, just looking back at looking back from an older and more mature point of view, mm. I think that really did help me. The fact that there was at least one person who cared to listen, <laughs> um, no matter like how much I talked or just like. I probably asked you twenty questions. You're probably like, "Oh, please stop!" <laughs> but you were a good sport about it. Yeah. Oh. So. Yeah, so that's, I guess, just kind of a the word of advice, right? Of, like, for people who are looking to support third culture kids, yeah. just love on them and take the time to for, to be sincere, yeah. to, to sit and to listen and ask meaningful questions. Yeah, and I think that's something that TCKs learn early on mm. is that other TCKs, like, mm-hmm. like half-hour conversation and y'all are already, like, best friends Mm -hmm. it doesn't take long because you're so used to moving on or just like being somewhere else that Mm -hmm. relationships have to go at warp speed like they they have to go from oh I know your name to I know that your cat's name was (laughs) whatever it was like the the average person that you would talk to just like visiting um, family, friends, or supporters of your parents, they don't necessarily know your cat's name. They mm-hmm. might know, oh uh, yeah, what your name is or how old you are, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times TCK sense that, mm-hmm. and so don't open up. Mm. They'll, they'll spend a lot of time coming up with the ideal short answer mm. for any question because... Mm. They just assume that people don't actually care. They're just asking Mm. to be polite. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, like, with being a chameleon, it's, I mean, it's helpful to know because some people just really don't want to know your life story. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's not the easiest. (laughs) Right, right. So really, it's that authenticity of, you know, when talking to a TCK, depending on their age level, of yeah. course, because I think that sometimes it's, you know, you're you're an adult yeah. now, but uh, adult TCKs that, you know, maybe they've gone through college and how to still love on them and ask questions, because chances are uh, this is something that they carry with them. And has shaped them to be, you know, who they are. And they'll, it's for the rest of their life, that's who they are. And so how to love on them and be authentic and take the time. Right, yeah. 
to that it's not looking for that ideal short answer because ultimately we have a big story to tell (laughs) (laughs) yeah living in the states for the past four years has definitely been different Mm -hmm. like yeah i've been more in my passport culture Mm -hmm. um i'm starting to understand a little bit more and i think for people it's like oh yeah you've been here for a while now you know what's going on like you're you're now one of us whereas like coming back for um pd it's like people are like oh yeah you haven't been here for a while this is new to you Mm -hmm. but I, i think something that people forget is no matter how long you're in your passport country you're never going to actually <laughs> be all the way there. It, yeah. It's um, it's a process, mm-hmm. and it's never going to be over. It's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Just giving that grace, yeah. right? That it's like we're n- none of us have all of the answers, and TCKs have been elsewhere, so they don't have all of the insider answers that the rest of people you know from their own passport culture have so being that in that grace orientation that like let me come alongside and not patronizingly but lovingly support and walk with you and and be there for you with that so i mean which kind of ties in beautifully (laughs) with i wanted to ask you you know how have you because you are a missionary kid uh which is like a a subgroup of third culture kids uh how your parents ministry your in involvement (laughs) uh vicariously in bible translation ministry how has that impacted your faith and your understanding of what it means to be a third culture kid I think that growing up in a different, I keep saying different culture, <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's really not. It's It was my home culture, but I still felt mm-hmm. foreign. Um, mm-hmm. But just, just growing up overseas, uh, my parents really, they, they wanted me to, and the rest of my siblings, but yes, uh, they, they wanted us to, uh, be firm in our faith they mm-hmm. wanted us to know who we were no matter like where we were no matter mm-hmm. who we were with right they they wanted us to have identity mm. um so that that was important to them that's been important to me to remember who i am and faith is the center of that mm-hmm. i think uh tck's tend to get lost in who they are <laughs> They they don't act. They don't quite. Uh, they don't quite know what their identity is. Mm. Um, but uh, my freshman year of high school, my parents gave me a ring, and they said, "Well, whatever you don't know, um, then just like look at your ring, say out mm-hmm. loud like I'm Michaela. I'm a daughter of God." My parents love me, that kind of thing. Just like, um, just knowing uh, who you are is very important. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful because I think so many individuals struggle with that, especially when you're trying to tackle questions like, where are you from? And 
what's your heart language and like what what is it that you miss most and miss miss least <laughs> and you know all these insensitive questions that I probably asked you over the years and that ultimately with all of the questions that go you know and are floating around in your head and your heart and your mind like that it's just you know who am I I am a dearly loved child of God and wherever I am wherever my home is where wherever my family is I know that I am in at home in Christ and that he defines me um that everything else that he has given us that he's blessed us with uh whether we're monocultural (laughs) third culture kid whatever it is that makes up all the rest of us what's at the heart of it is our identity in him and that's so beautiful so what words of advice would you give to individuals who are walking along this journey of being a third culture kid and trying to kind of find their bearings and (laughs) uh and that they haven't necessarily Uh, looked down at a ring and said, I am a child of God. What words of comfort or advice would you give? Well, (laughs) that's that's a difficult question because I haven't quite figured it out (laughs) myself, and I'm not sure I ever will. Um, I guess stay rooted in God's word. Uh, you, You can't go wrong there. And find two, one, two, three friends that will be there and will listen Mm -hmm. um that's always important and i think being a third culture kid i matured a lot faster Mm -hmm. so i have fewer friends that are my age (laughs) and more friends that are older like in their Mm -hmm. 20s and yeah or even older than that like i get along um better with I'm an adult now but (laughs) when I wasn't like adults like (laughs) I I um, felt more comfortable with them than I did with my peers and I think their I guess extended experiences Mm -hmm. in a culture different than mine or even just like the same as mine like Mm. other adult TCKs could sympathize or could um, share what they learned when they went Um, through this process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so just finding those people relationships are everything yes yeah Um, the stronger a relationship is the happier and uh, (laughs) (laughs) the the happier you'll be and the more comfortable and authentic you'll end up um, in the long run so I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your heart and your experiences with us and I want to encourage all of you (laughs) listeners that as you know of third culture kids walk alongside them pray for them pray with them and uh, be in those authentic relationships and uh, we're so excited for (laughs) next steps for you uh, Michaela and how you are called to be in God's mission and where he'll be using you and all of your experiences as a third culture kid for his his mission and for his people thank you so much for joining us (laughs) 
Yeah, thank you. This this is fun. Thanks to Michaela Federowitz for joining us on the podcast to share her experience as a third culture kid. We're thrilled to have her as one of our newest missionaries. To get involved in supporting her ministry by prayer or giving, check the link in the podcast notes or find her name at lbt.org slash give. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. Look for past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. This episode of the Essentially Translatable podcast was hosted by Emily Wilson. The podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson and distributed by Sarah Lyons. Executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs>